Welcome to the podcast of ideas. I'm Rob Lyons. On the 24th of February 2022, Russian forces invaded Ukraine. This special military operation was supposed to speed to victory in weeks, if not days, but Ukraine fought back and repelled Russian forces from the area north of Kyiv. Since then, we've seen the fighting largely concentrated in the east, with some early Russian victories since reversed. According to figures published in January, there may have been 180,000 Russian military killed or wounded, with perhaps 100,000 killed or wounded on the Ukrainian side, and 30,000 civilian casualties. On the first anniversary of the war, where do things stand now? How did we get here, and what has the conflict revealed about the West? I talked to Professor Frank Faraday, author of The Road to Ukraine, How the West Lost Its Way, and started by asking him, what is your impression of where the war stands today? I think the war is now pretty much bogged down. Uh, You have a situation where it appears that one week the Russians are making a little progress in the war. The week after, it seems that the Ukrainians are on a high and they're doing quite well. So it seems to be the case that there's a kind of uh, stasis that set in, uh, which uh, seems to me um, anticipates what's going to happen for some time to come, where neither side are able to inflict a decisive blow on uh, one another. It seems to me that at the moment the situation is one where things are re- pretty evenly balanced uh, in most of the spheres of the war, but. It is one where, in in one sense, Russia has already lost because it's lost a lot of prestige and moral authority, just in virtue of the fact that it hasn't been more effective and successful on the battlefield. And obviously, uh, Ukraine enjoys a tremendous amount of moral authority because of the way it resisted and has uh, managed to establish for itself a more impressive position within the global order. Uh, well, your book is called The Road to Ukraine, so maybe we should look at that. I mean, I suppose there's two sort of polar opposite opinions, I guess. Or um, One is that this is uh, all to do with Putin's ego or an attempt to revive Russian history and Russian imperialism. Or on the other side, that uh, this has all been sort of generated by the actions of the West and what is going on now is effectively a proxy war. I mean, are either of those true? Are they both true? What do you think? I, the way I, 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 I see the situation is that um, the, the main source of the war is what you can call the Russian question, where Russia's position in the world has been fairly tenuous for some time. They've, they've been feeling insecure and felt that their security concerns have not really been uh, recognized by their uh, potential opponents. Uh, Russia it has become this kind of in-between power that's more than just an ordinary regional power, but at the same time, it's not a global power. So it's you know neither one or the other, which creates a certain fluid dynamic. And I think that has meant that uh, its insecurity has, uh, to some extent, uh, led it to, uh, to a war that uh, was completely uh, sort of, uh, the, the war was completely not like they expected it to be. It was a major miscalculation on their part, uh, which then became a war between the Ukrainians 
on the one side and the Russians on the other side. I think that since the, the war has erupted, it's also become a proxy war between particularly the United States and Russia, but more broadly between United States and NATO and, and some of the Western powers in Russia. And so, in fact, what we now have as a result of a, a number of unexpected, fortuitous circumstances, uh, a double war going on. You know, there's two wars running on, uh, alongside each other, which then kind of complicates matters because each war has got its own dynamic. And, it, and sometimes the two wars uh, are motivated by competing and sometimes even by conflicting interests. Um, so in terms of the, the West, I mean, because obviously your book is talking about how the West lost its way. What is it about sort of Western policy and Western attitudes, particularly you, you talk about with history, that has led us into this situation? I think that a certain kind of historical amnesia has meant that the West failed to understand the uh, continuous salience of the legacy of the past, that many of the problems that it imagined had gone away still remained under the surface. And, uh, you know, it kind of imagined that Europe had become a, a war-free zone, not understanding that uh, wars, conventional wars, are still very much a possibility within Europe. And therefore, it didn't really uh, anticipate uh, and prepare. And in particular, because of its historical amnesia, it's never taken geopolitics particularly seriously, and uh, its geopolitical calculations have been extremely poor. It's relied in a one-dimensional way on American military power to defend itself, uh, not realizing at the same time that the world was becoming increasingly more and more complicated. And therefore, it neither understood the security concerns of Russia but nor did it understand the need to prepare for the possibility of a, a war breaking out in that part of the world. So it had the worst of both worlds, which meant that when the Russians invaded Ukraine, Europe was completely unprepared and, and did, had no idea that this would occur. And not only that, but they had a very defeatist posture at that point. They just thought Russia would clean up in a couple of days and that would be the end of the war. Uh, and so where, where do we stand in terms of the, the, the dynamics between the different uh, European powers as well? I mean, Britain's been fairly gung-ho about supporting Ukraine. Macron's been trying to play the sort of diplomatic bag boy. I don't know if that's the right term. Germany's situation seems very sort of conflicted as well. So, so where do you think things are lying now in terms of Europe? Well, outwardly, there is this, uh, what they call unprecedented degree of European uni uh, unity. You know, everybody is queuing up to help the Ukraine, at least uh, outwardly. But there's a, there's a kind of performative kind of diplomacy that's at work here, where everybody wants to be seen as the, as the good guys, as the ones that are uh, close to Zelensky, as the ones that are the first to supply this or that kind of a weapon. There's that kind of competition for a claim. Um, but in, in a sense, at the same time, what there is is a kind of tension that is taking place where countries got slightly contradictory interests here. And uh, Germany is particularly worried about having decoupled its economy partially from Russia. It's now worried about the consequences of having to decouple its economy from China under American pressure. So that's causing a lot of concerns 
And in a sense, what has happened is not what is what 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 it seems that Europe is really united and is going on hope, but that America has really established its uh, leading hegemonic power over Europe and is able to more or less uh, ensure that Europeans are following following Biden very very closely. So it you know it creates a new kind of world where at least temporarily. Uh, America has been the main beneficiary of the war. It, it never expected that this would occur. It didn't, it didn't imagine that uh, the war would last and Russia would prove to be so inept at you know, promoting its interest. But that has provided America with this unprecedented opportunity to come across as the good guy, as the savior of the West, as the savior of civilization and democracy. And Biden has grasped that with two hands and it's become the main source of legitimacy for the Biden administration within American public life. I mean, that's interesting because, you know, you come from an anti-imperialist tradition of being very critical about American interventions in the past. So what attitude do you think we should take to uh, the, 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 what's going on at the moment with America leading on term, in terms of supplying weapons and clearly from comments within the administration, they see this as a way of weakening Russia. Well, so what's, what attitude should we take to the, the conflict and what should we effectively be calling for for our government to be doing? Well, it's a difficult question because obviously the key thing is that, uh, you know, Ukrainian sovereignty should be respected and defended. And, you know, we want to make sure that everything is done, provide resources for Ukraine to... Uh, basically contain the aggression and, and to prevent Russia from expanding into into its borders. And to that extent, I suppose, you know, sort of, it, it doesn't matter where the resources come from, whether it's from the United States or whether it comes from Germany or whatever, that, that, that doesn't really matter. The problem is, is that uh, in allowing America to dictate terms, to acquire such disproportionate influence, over the conduct of affairs, uh, you do create a situation where, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, sort of the, the projection of American power leads to this misleading situation whereby people actually imagine that you can rely on the United States to uh, defend and uphold different kind of national interests. And I think what the experience of Afghanistan has shown us is that the United States has proven to be a very unreliable ally in the post-Second World War world in a number of different kinds of conflicts. And uh, in a sense, you know, I kind of hope that, you know, somehow we can move back to a more multi multipolar environment, a multipolar situation, which in fact is going to happen anyway, because the American hegemonic position is extremely shallow. It's based upon not so much uh, American power, as the weakness of Russia, which they managed to take advantage of. We, you talked about the two the two wars going on simultaneously. Do you see any resolution to what's happening in Ukraine anytime soon? You know, sometimes you have conflicts for which there is no obvious solution, and I think this is one of them. Uh, as I wrote in my book, I think this is a protracted, long-term conflict, a typical 19th, early 20th century frontier war 
that can continue on for a very, very, very long time because this is a war that neither side can win and neither side can afford to lose. So there's a lot at stake here. Uh, and I think that the uh, real question to, for me is Russians, Russia's capacity to stay intact because it's faced with a lot of pressures from its eastern borders. It's losing its grip over Central Asia and the Central Asian kind of countries. Um, it may well be the case that some of the Fed, you know, some of some section of the Russian Federation are also interested in loosening their ties. This, we already had that uh, uh, signal from Chechnya and elsewhere. So it is a very difficult situation uh, that uh, is impossible to predict. It, it reminds me a bit of the decade before the First World War, where you never knew who was going to be allied with who. Everybody was kind of positioning uh, themselves and, and searching for the best possible solution. I think that's something that's happening a little bit now. Uh, and under those circumstances, it's very difficult to say this is what should be. Obviously, we would like to see peace. You know, everybody wants a diplomatic solution as soon as possible. That's really what you know we would all like to see. But I don't think that's going to happen any anytime soon, just because uh, the only basis on which peace, a diplomatic solution can be forged is on the basis of somebody giving up far more than they're prepared to give up. And if they, even if they do that, that simply means that it's just a ceasefire, which can mm -hmm. break down in the, in, in the short term, in a sense. Thank you for listening to the podcast of Ideas. If you'd like to listen to more of our podcasts and subscribe to them, visit academyofideas.org.uk forward slash podcast. Mm -hmm.